opinions expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Author's Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Author's Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. Tuesday morning, 9.05, another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour radio program. Right here on Smoke and 99.9 FM, WNRI, and also 1380 AM on the Blackstone Valley Station here since 1954. Our Best in Business Award, Reader's Choice Awards, um, 10, 11 years in a row. And yours truly, number one radio personality. I want to thank you very much for everyone that voted. Also a proud member of the Association of Rhode Island Authors. And we just had our big expo on the first week of uh, December at the... Uh, Crown Plaza down in Warwick with over 140 Rhode Island authors in-house. Free seminars every hour. Everyone was filled to capacity. And we're looking forward to 2022 as the restrictions, uh, you know, diminish here in Rhode Island, come back a little bit where we can get out and do a lot more uh, book signings and book fairs and expos. And also on that note, Uh, We are coming back right now with our Lively Literati, and that will be January 26th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And the Authors of Color are the theme, and the genre is open after that, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, uh, current members only for the Lively Literati. And then, uh, let me see, after that, it's Open Mic. And that's at uh, East Greenwich Hotel, 162 Main Street in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. And uh, we hope to pack the place on that. And I love the open mic because you have no idea who's going to show up. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. Another follow-up to that lively literati, February is going to be Romance Month. So we're going to have two authors on romance and then the open mic for February. A different theme every month. Uh, I believe Memorial Day, we're going to have some uh, uh, veterans type of books and stuff like that on military and stuff. So it should be a whole lot of fun. Now, also, Harvest Moon Health Foods will be open today at 10 o'clock. And uh, for all of your health food needs and supplements right there. And new arrivals every day. 
Now, Roger grew up in Boroughville in the Northern Rhode Island area, too, and he remembers having raw milk. You can get raw milk right at Harvest Moon Health Foods right in Putnam, Connecticut. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza at Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle. Gluten-free products. Over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlane's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Harvest Moon Health Foods, .net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And you can see Brian Tagg and his entire race team at Thompson International Speedway. And that will be at the Icebreaker in the first week of April. Weather permitting, you know New England. But uh, former champion, his dad's a former champion. Let me see, his daughter's about three years old. So another 15 years, maybe we'll have three generations. AuthorsHourBookstore.com New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Author's Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, W-N-R-I at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new AuthorsHourBookstore.com. Over 300 titles on file of an inventory of 2,000 different books, all genres. So send me a message at Wayne, W-N-R-I, at Yahoo.com, and we'll see if we have it right on the shelf. And we'll make the arrangements to get it right to your door at a very affordable price. Remember, if you heard it here on the Author's Hour, you can get the book right through us, right there. And that's growing every day, having a whole lot of fun. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. Now, he used to be a snowbird, but now they live in Florida permanently. Uh, Rick Polushki from Boroughville used to be very active in the Knights of Columbus, turns the big 7-0. Kevin McHale, happy birthday. Dave Quarterly, 61 today. And on 126, New York author and a caller on the Author's Hour two or three times now, my corporate lawyer, J.F. Collin. Happy birthday. And Sandra Feudy, also she had the same birthday on 126. If you have a birthday, again, it's Wayne, W-N-R-I, at Yahoo.com. Transportation and limousine services uh, supplied today by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and all of our hairstyles at the whole studio are by Worcester Hair Company and Little General Stores. By God, there's one in your neighborhood. Uh, the sale expires on 1-30-22. 
It comes out every Monday in the call, highlighted in red, and on their fantastic website. Check out the website, littlegeneral.com, and get your email listing. Get on file, and every Monday you'll get an email update of the specials for the week. High tech at Little General. Stewing beef. $5.99 $5.99 a pound. Boneless chuck roast, $5.99 a pound. Cube steak, $5.99 a pound. I could not find that in a couple of grocery stores last week. Chuck Hamburg, the good one. I get mine in one pound increments. Empty nesters, there's so many things you can make in a good pound of good Chuck Hamburg. Only four ninety nine a pound. You know, I remember when it was three ninety nine a pound, three forty nine. But boy, the prices are really climbing up. But little generals holding your line with specials every week, every Monday, and a call and on their website. On the line right now, we have our very first guest of the day, and the name of the book is One-Legged Mongoose, Secrets, Legacies, and Coming of Age in the 1950s in New York, and an astonishing memoir full of humor, heart, and vision, but authored by Mary Kay. The author's name of this particular book is Mark J. Strauss. I believe it's a first-time book on this. And let me tell you a little bit about Mark before we start the discussion. If you have any questions or if you've bought the book, you want to learn about the process or character selection, it's Wayne W-N-R-I at Yahoo.com. And this broadcast and all the author's hours are on podcast at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Bobber. Mark J. Strauss is a poet, writer, medical oncologist, and art collector who lives with his wife, Livia, in Chappaqua, New York a former professor of medicine and chief of oncology at New York Medical College and Westchester Medical Center. He is an author or co-author of some 100 scientific papers and editor of three textbooks on lung cancer. He's also the author of four poetry collections, including Not God, a play in verse that was staged off-Broadway and The Bridge, a series of poems in the voice of a female cancer patient that served as the basis of a multimedia exhibition at Lehigh University Art Center back in 2004. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Well, thank you very much. Our Hard work. Our our age group and growing up in the 50s is so similar to mine. Uh, In a lot of ways, this could be any small town in the United States. And your particular choice here, it's New York as your uh, basis of the book. But there's a lot of similarities in yours truly growing up. Uh, this took, yeah, I was a kid. We were out in Long Island in a town called West Hempstead. And this is your very first book? This is the very first prose book. Okay. Uh, this memoir of the years I was 10 to 12. Why did you decide to do a memoir? 
this is a story that I've wanted to tell a long time, and it was two very formidable, difficult years, and I remembered it end to end, and I wrote it in the voice, narrated it uh, by the kid that I was back then, and um, it's a book with the kind of detail that I think people will find very unusual. Well, it really caught me. It was a very, very well read, a good read. I can't wait for future works coming out of you. Uh, your selection of the publisher of this book, I notice it's not one of the big five. Uh, you went to, what, a hybrid publisher? Is that what no, you choose? No, it's a, it's a small press. Um, what happened was the big five looked at an early version and loved it, and the book still needed some more work. And as I was finishing up the revision, uh, this small press knew the book, knew me, and asked for it. And it was, and, and they're great. And it was a moment in my life I thought, well, if somebody loves the book, give it to them. And um, I think they did a great job with it. And the publisher we're talking about is Greenpoint Press. And that's the first time I've ever seen that name in one of my authors here on the Author's Hour. That's why I brought that up. And it says it's a division of the New York Writers Resources. Are you an active member of that group? Uh, I was. And um, for a couple of years, I was in one of their memoir classes. Uh, which was really helpful because you have, you know, you listen to other people present work, you present work, and I think it's, um, it's a good experience. But then I went off and finished this book on my own, and, um, you know, I'm biased. I think Greenpoint, the cover they did of this book, is really unusual. It is. And, pr and pretty extraordinary. It really is an eye-catcher. If it's on the shelf, you are going to pick the book up. So they've done their uh, work on it. Uh, so you highly recommend any new expiring author out there right now that has a manuscript to uh, get involved uh, and really put some effort in joining writers' groups at your local organizations, uh, libraries, uh, writing associations in your own state. You highly recommend that? Well, usually, yes. Um, back uh, in the early 90s, I just had this thought that I had to write poetry. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I applied for a workshop at the 92nd Street Y in New York, and I was really lucky to get it. And I was in a group with a great poet, and um, it, it, it was... It was absolutely necessary for me to get started. Uh, I didn't keep going to workshops, just that first one helped. The ones I've gone to for the memoir class taught by Charles Salzberg in New York, uh, I, think, I think I needed that experience a few times. And since these experience, I've taught a number of workshops for poetry. So I, I've given back. Uh, I think the process, having a peer group to talk to, is invaluable. 
I really do, too. I agree 100% in that statement. Now, on this right here, I've got a memoir myself going right now, and uh, I haven't even thought about the final edit. How big was the edit on this? Um, it wasn't that it was so much. It was the small things that needed shaping. Uh, I mean, the book is really unusual in that a 10 to 12-year-old is narrating it, even though it's an adult book. And the book came about because in that two-year period, I would uh, recall an episode, I jot it down, and it was chronological, and then I wrote each of the chapters in sequence. And when it was reviewed the first time, uh, there was an understandable criticism that it didn't have enough of an arc. The story was being told episodically. You know, this happened this month, this happened the next month. And I really had to take it back again and connect some of the dots and reshape it so that it had an arc in that period of time. And so that process took many, many more months. Now, preparing to write the book, a memoir, after writing poem books and, you know, not being absolutely green to the industry and stuff like that, did you go to the library or book clubs and look up, say, the top 20 memoirs of all time or see what was on the shelf to see the styles of other great writers on memoirs? Well, I had read uh, quite a number along the way, not, not thinking how it might impact mine. But um, the important blurb on my book by Mary Carr, uh, Mary had written the biggest seller memoir probably in the last 50 years, The Liars Club. And uh, Mary's, you know, a poet, and her memoir was fabulous. And she wrote it brilliantly in the voice of the adult, which is what 99% of people do. And... Um, I wasn't able to do that because when I was back in the kid's head, I could remember everything. And when I was sitting back as somebody much older now, a doctor, uh, I just wasn't in that place and didn't have the same retention. So I had to write it my way to have any success. Uh, but I've read a couple other books where the book is mostly focused on a time period during youth. And the best of the books, they all did it differently. And that's what I think a writer has to do. The writer has to stay honest to themselves and write the book in a way that they can tell their story in a way that the readers will really appreciate. Yep, think outside the box a little bit and write what you know. That's the most important always, advice. Always, always write what you know. Yep. If not, you stray from that formula. Yeah, you're going to see it. The editor will see it. Everybody will see it. It will stick out like a sore thumb. It really well, will. Well, in one in one legged mongoose, you know, I've, I've been surprised since it's out a few months 
no one has questioned the accuracy of the story. Of course, here it is narrated by a kid many, many years ago. But one of the things that I lucked out with this small press, the editor did the most detailed fact check one could imagine. And I I found it really fun. (laughs) I, I thought, I know exactly what happened. But going through that fact check was was really quite something, and and I actually enjoyed it. Now, writing a personal memoir, every writer must have that one point in it. Do I actually write something about a current family family member that's still alive? That uh, the fear of being infuriated. Uh, it wasn't like that. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. How could you dare write something like that? Did that run through your mind at all? Was it predictable? Well, it, it, it was very important in this book because um, in the book we see I have two siblings, an older sister and a younger brother, Stephen. Stephen is absolutely central to the story. Uh, he's a kid then you know, he was three years younger, and he was a frightened kid that got bullied all the time. Yep. And it was my job to go out on the streets and go get the bullies, you know, who hurt him. And uh, we remained close. And he asked me not to write this book while my mother was alive. Well. And, and I didn't. But... Um, this is a book where I have the actual names of the kids and the characters and I learned by happenstance you know I call out a bully I mean I'm 10 years old when it happened I call out a bully in this book he really bullied another kid badly I, I I got an email from a woman who had been in my brother's class in school and loved the depiction, remembered him well. But she knew the bully when he was an adult. I thought, oh, well, you know, that's what he did when he was 10 or 11. I can't change it. And I'll bet you he's still a bully to this day. Well, if he read the book, he read the book. I mean, this is, this is the kid's memory. Yep. And I felt, you know, maybe whether I should have changed the name or not, one of the things that made it fresh in my mind was being there again, yeah. seeing seeing these kids, hearing them. And, you know, the kind of bullying that goes on still goes on, the kind that I saw as a kid, it was uh, horrific. Till this day it does. You know, uh, the exactly. reference in the book on the red-headed uh, child, I can remember the first three or four years of my grade school uh, a couple that had red hair, and it was just a natural tendency to uh, pick on kids because they were different. Or uh, somebody, the first ones that wore glasses, and that would take them off when they went to school to stop the ridicule on that. There was no contact lenses. When I was a kid growing up, I can't, I can't remember contact lenses any time no, during that time. And then uh, also the obesity if you had a chubby child in your first three or four years, or even uh, dental work, 
you know, right. there was no You're big right. braces or anything that we have now. The braces start at such a young age. It's cool to wear braces now. It's a fashion statement where before there was no braces and people had crooked teeth or, you know, disfigured teeth like that. And the ridicule with, you know, your Frankenstein and stuff like that. And well, the, it was brutal. Yeah, it, it, it is brutal. Um, my brother, sister, and I had bright red hair. At that time, in that school, we were the only ones. Uh, you know, but people might have picked on me once, and then they learned never to do it again. But a bully is going to find a reason to be a bully. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what. And my brother was a small kid at that time, and bullies could smell it yep. and my god they went after him but this episode in the book where I really call out this bully who turns out somebody knows him as an adult I didn't ask what he was like um, I wind up going to camp a month late I'm going uh, for the last two weeks I had been sick in bed with polio and as I recover I show up at a bunk where everybody's made their friends. There's only two weeks to go. And that evening, the bully starts uh, teasing this kid who's really overweight. And it was horrible. He kept calling him Freddy the Pig and jumping up and down. And one of the worst things you see with bullies is that other kids were afraid to say anything. So some of them joined in because they were afraid. You know, the bully draws in people who are gonna do the same thing because they don't have the guts to go against the bully. So that was my encounter with trying to stop that bully. And then you ran into another bully in the book where you called him out and you thought you were really going to have a haymaker with him. And he backed out. He was actually had no courage and he started cowering. These are only words. I'm not a fighter and everything else. And I run into a couple of them in my life also. Why don't you call him out? Well, I mean, that kid, I wasn't in condition to fight him. I, I just starting to recover from being totally bedridden but I couldn't stand what he was doing so I called him out and we agreed to have a fight at midnight and um, everybody stayed up waiting for this and then midnight came around and they couldn't wake him up right (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you there's so many similarities in me growing up in this book that's why I related to it and I got a feeling that your target group on that. But the more I think about it, some of the prevailing problems that you write about society in this book of your childhood growing up are still so predominant today. I look around and it's the same thing today. It's always going to be. There are, there are always going to be that group of kids that are bullies. But something else, I mean, it's a kid who doesn't know more than he knows. I mean, we don't have the adult experience. You're seeing it through that fresh lens. Yeah. 
And you see that uh, at that age, I encountered and I saw a lot of racism. Yeah. And I understood at some point, even at that age, there's one point where somebody, one of the kids and a racist thing hit my younger brother with a baseball bat. And then I was out on the streets trying to find out who did it and get retribution. But I knew a couple of the kids on the street were nice. And I knew that any kid who did this wasn't born a racist. They heard it in their house. Yep. It was handed down from generations. It was was handed down. You don't start off that way. A kid kid just doesn't start that way. Right. I agree 100%. Uh, Most of the uh, brutality and stuff like that, if you just think about it and check back, it's how they were raised in their family with that parent or a grandparent. And, you know, to go to extremes, the KKK was up here in New England in the 20s and 30s. You know, it wasn't just down south. And there's a lot of things that are not in your DNA, but it was how you were brought up. That's the only thing you knew. I... um I have another memoir in the works that began at the age of 14, but there's a chapter in it that takes place when I was about 26, 27 years old. And I'm now a researcher at the National Cancer Institute. And for various reasons, I was in a group that wound up having a real altercation with the American Nazi Party. Well, and these guys were in full uniform, swastikas, billy clubs, yep. and this was down in Washington D.C. And um, yeah, they were they were, they had frightened these people who came on a on a uh, protest, and they were there on purpose. About twenty five or thirty of them, and we wound up. There was a melee, a real fist fight. And I, I caught, I started chasing one of them. I wasn't a very fast runner. We see that in the book when I was a kid. But I just kept going and going and going until he was finally out of breath. And I jump on him and I knock him down. I'm about to punch the hell out of him. And he says, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I'm looking at him. He says, I'm only KKK. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So the, the name of the chapter is I'm Only KKK, so don't punch me. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I love the book, One-Legged Mongoose. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Authors Hour radio program all right, on WNRI every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10. And we got some affiliates down in Tampa, St. Petersburg, out in Seattle. 14 different ways you can listen to it. And the growing way to listen to it now is the evolution of podcasting. And this issue and other editions are available on anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Bobber. Okay, now, Mark J. Strauss, One-Legged Mongoose, you touched on something that I'm going to pick your brain on. My first book that I wrote was Four Million Miles in 42 Years. 
I retired at 61 after driving over 4 million miles, commercial miles, without a chargeable accident. Wow. From what I know uh, through the Teamsters and UPS over in East Providence, uh, when I started back in the late 60s, there's probably only three of us in all of New England that ever accomplished that. You know, and I documented each career, uh, different uh, types of jobs I had, whether it be a FedEx driver or a caterer, or, you know, so many different things and the vehicles and how many miles I had on each one. And it turned into a book that is a blueprint for memoirs for me because I documented it from my very first driver's license, you know, back in 68 um, of 1951, 16 years later, 1967, I got my first driver's license to when I retired in 2010. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, the memoirs coming, I've already started it. And in a sense, I've got too much information because my memory is so vivid. And I think I'm going to do my memoir in a segment of each 10 years. I have that much material and bring it. And if I do it right, I think marketing, if the people buy the first couple or the first one or the second one and they're done right, I've guaranteed myself a whole bunch of sales from that point on because they're going to be looking for more. Well, that's a good equation. Uh, what, what you know, because you do this, what you're going to find out is the writing of it is hard work. I mean, really hard work. And um, it's always a challenge to find the time. Uh, I've been asked my whole life, especially, you know, in front of medical groups, how do you possibly, if you're, when I was, all the years I was a busy, busy cancer doctor, how do you have the time to write? And the answer is you write if you have to write. Yeah. But it's tough, you know. You, in, in order to write well, I think you have to have, you. I couldn't do it uh 10 minutes here and there, you know, stealing 10 minutes. I had to finally be able to find time, put everything aside, and then be in the book. Yeah. You know, be totally in the book. Otherwise, I couldn't have done it. Yeah. That's good advice, too. That's very, very good advice to all our listeners on that. Okay. If someone has a manuscript or has an idea of a memoir, what is the number one piece of advice that you could hand down? Be honest. Oh, you already gave my answer. Be truthful. Um, if you're going to write a memoir, at least at least the first few rounds, you have to tell the story exactly as you know it. Uh, if you, if in that process you begin to change it. Uh, other things will change. And um, I was surprised when my book came out, uh, the portrayal of my mother, I thought, was really tough. I mean, she was extraordinarily abusive. And the comments I've gotten from many people is all the positive sides. 
that she was obviously a mixed bag. And it's true. And what came out, of course, is that I was truthful. And there was um, extraordinarily good things about her. But I wasn't, I wasn't there to paint any picture other than what I knew to be true. Well, you did a fantastic job on it, I'll tell you. Thank you. The name of the book is One-Legged Mongoose by Mark J. Strauss. It's available everywhere, including your own website. Uh, how about blogging? Are you into blogging at all? I did some, and uh, probably not enough. And I really needed that kind of time to keep writing, so I've done very little. Yeah. Uh, I, di- I did want to tell you that I chose the title, and luckily nobody else has ever had that title. <laughs> so it's good if it's good if it gets Google. Yeah. I mean, if you if you write something titled "War and Peace," you're not going to show up. But one-legged mongoose uh, was the real was the real name of uh, this alleged monster we were told about at this Boy Scout camping trip, and it becomes the title of the book. Well, it's a fantastic book, fantastic cover. You did it right, and I can't wait. Anything else you come up with, make sure your publicist gets it to me. We'll take a look at it, and we'll get you on on a future show. Thank you very much for writing this book. Thanks so much. Okay, you have one of the best days of your life. You too. Okay, bye-bye. That concludes that part of the show. A One-Legged Mongoose by Mark J. Strauss. That is a keeper. We are anthologies throughout, too. Uh, The 2021 Association of Island Authors Anthology Green is available now. Uh, One, two, three, six anthologies in a row since 2016. And that's another thing that uh, people are looking for the newest edition of the anthologies. Uh, Great short stories by all different Rhode Island authors. Uh, The one for 2022 opens up March 1st. Martha's going to be heading up that again. And the theme to really get your creative juices going is... Uh, Let me see here. Rhode Island. Iconic Rhode Island is the theme of it. So anything that's identifiable for Rhode Island would be your choices for a theme on that, whether it be poetry or a short story. And then independently, uh, they go through it and see what makes the cut without checking any names. It's all done anonymously by our judges. And it really comes out with a really good project uh, product. Poetry is really going good. I got two emails in a row, and it happens every week on that. Uh, Wayne, I have inherited a bunch of books, and I have no idea what's good, what's bad, what should I keep, what should I try to sell, how do I come up with prices? Okay, Viabri, V-I-A-L-I-B-R-I.net, bookfinder.com, com. Abooksalibris.com, uh, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, uh, Macara, M E R C A R I. I noticed that the other day there's more and more books on that. Now, don't be misled on eBay on a lot of the prices of the books. That might be a buy now price or 
artificially brought the price up on it. Get your eBay listing on it for actually sold items. That's what you want to find out. What did it actually sell for? Not what somebody tried to get for it. You know, it's very, very deceiving on your prices on that. Craigslist will work too. Another one is eCrater. eCrater.com has got a lot of books on it now. Um, I subscribe to uh, companies, uh, BookFinder and BookHub and stuff like that. We go through, through all the auctions and what's put up with advance and, you know, suggested prices of what something's going to bring. So that helps me in my appraisal business an awful lot, especially if there's signed signature books that are in still good shape that haven't been ruined by water or by a wood stove, uh, a very smoky residence, really do a, a big number on the books and stuff like that. Or the actually the leather-bound books that have a habit of getting too warm and they actually cement together. A lot of damage on that. So be very careful on that. But uh, there's a lot of references on it. And also, WayneW1RI at Yahoo.com. I've got to do a big job. Uh, There's over 3,000 books I've got uh, consigned to go through that. And uh, that's going to take me a little while. But i got a good system on it now when I've been uh, taking classes on it. And uh, it's going to help me an awful lot. Bilo's Flowers is open right now. And, uh, you know, it may be right now, I'm looking at it, 33, 35 degrees in the Blackstone Valley. But we have some severe cold weather coming in right now. And future deliveries of anything that's coming in by freight is going through sky high. With all the cargoes and all the shipping courses are going crazy on every product. Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop has an ample supply of those Canadian wood pellets right now. Take advantage of today's price. I got a feeling if you got a, a futures market on it, something like that is going to spike just to the cost of the way that diesel fuel and everything else is trickling up. You don't have to take the whole pallet at one time. You got 30 days to liquidate it there, five, ten pallets, uh, bags at a time, smaller containers, and also be loose flowers in gift shop. Don't procrastinate. Valentine's Day is really coming quick. And you know what's going to happen just as well as that one pound of hamburger. Or I bought suet yesterday and it went up 20%. Flowers are probably going to go through the wall. You know, for the labor involved, $15 minimum wage, everything's changing, affecting pricing. Lock in at today's price on a nice dozen of roses. Make sure you get all the destination delivery all done. Get it done now. You know, right now, before February 14th on Valentine's Day, another thing you can take care of at Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop. They've been there for over 65 years at 401-766-3165. And uh, boy, you know, when you buy flowers from a florist, they last a whole lot longer. And if you really want something to last long, think about a nice dish garden. Lasts forever. Every time the people look at that, oh, that person gave it to me. You will be in that person's mind forever. Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop. Stop in and see Jeannie. Tell her what's allowable in your budget, and she'll match up the perfect gift for you. 
and say hi to the whole gang. Three generations work over there. Local taxpayers at Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop. I can smell the coffee right now. I'll tell you. Fresh popcorn, fresh brewed coffee, always get your taste buds awakened. And you get that at Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. And what a great move that was to 72 East Main Street in Webster, Mass. Just another 500 square feet changes the whole place. They feature Hogan Brothers Coffee, which is also available by the pound. All the pastries are by Phyllis Bakery, no other respected name in the area. She's got a good program, a wholesale program with her, a seasonal stuff, a slightly read books, brand new edition books, poetry, book signings, recitals, and she's not afraid of stocking local books. Book lovers, go on May. 508-949-6232. What a, f- a fantastic website. Like it. Get it on our constant contact email list. She's always coming up with specials and discounts. A children's section with puzzles now. And boy, they've got the stuff up there. You know what I had? The ice fishing tournaments have already started this week and the crowds and the cold weathers and stuff like that. But this is the time of the year, too. The black ice. Slide off the ice a little bit. Maybe you need just a, a jump start, a surface charge just to get you going. Or any type of lockout service with the ice. You don't want to break off a door handle. Very, very expensive proposition. I gave you enough time. Here's your paper and pencil. Larry's 24-hour towing. Bartleville Motor Sales and a Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspection by calling one phone number, 401-568-6286. I think my wife Susan would say that's multitasking. Since 1922, now it's used auto and truck sales with new arrivals every day. Again, Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspections right there. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian, and Carrie, what a crew up there. Expert body work and insurance estimates on the premises. They don't farm out anything. And don't forget that 24-hour service. Black ice, uh, towing, flatbed, on the hook, unregistered vehicle, um, motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile. You need transportation. It's Larry's 24-Hour Towing, 401-568-6286. Boy, have we got the books piling in. I've got a couple in for Helen that ordered. Uh, They should be in today. And uh, I think we had seven new arrivals last week, Thursday and Friday that came in. Uh, Future authors will be talking about on the air. And also... Another one of our businesses that has been around for 52 years is proud to announce, uh, with the virus uh, dissipating a little bit in this area, Cereal's Pizza Rimmer and Restaurant is now open six days a week with the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island. Tuesday through Friday, 7 to 11, 
Saturday, 7.30 to 1, Sunday, 8 to 1. And then it's regular lunch and dinner menus. And don't forget, today is Tuesday. A large cheese pizza, 15 slices, nice cornmeal crust, rectangle, approved by Jeff Gamash, $7. That is not a typo. Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant. Now, if you want to watch some of the replays from the football over the weekend, or the hockey, or whatever, or Netflix, you name it, and you don't want to leave out, go out into the cold weather, 401-568-7187. They haven't lost an order yet. They'll get it piping hot right to your door. Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant. Catering, they've got a van just for it. All kinds of uh, stuff like that. 401-568-7187. Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant. Over 52 years at that Bridgeton Triangle. Let's see, I got an email in here from Susan. She says, Wayne, don't forget, you have a brand new sponsor for the Authors Hour that wants to get on right now before the month of January is out. Thank you very much, Susan. I saved a couple of fingers on that one. Welcome aboard. Brand new sponsor, Falcon Properties Preservation Group, LLC. That's Timmy Falcon's company. Moving all types of cleanouts. Real estate clean-out specialist. Uh, no big cargo containers and stuff like that. He's got a fleet of tilt-body dump trucks. Has it all set, ready to go. Ready to take away all your unwanteds. It's Falcon Properties Preservation Group. Timothy Falcon, and the phone number on that is 401 205 5786 serving the tri state region for all of your unwanted real estate clean this New Year's resolution clean out. If you haven't used it in five years, get rid of it. Poetry, poetry. I got another book here, Tears of Change. And uh, also, They've got the trailers that are loaded right up now. I think one left already because it's already racing season down in Florida. Speed weeks are going down in New Smyrna. And Northeast Race Cars and Speed have loaded up the trailers and um, they're on their way. But they also have the store right at Hill Road in Harrisville. It shares the same building with the he shed of Hopkin Brothers Auto Repair. Uh, Herbie sets up that part of it with the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island. But the Northeast Race Cars and Speed is proud to announce the He Shed is up and running. And they're building chassis, welding them, and uh, squaring up chassis and building race cars and trucks. They're going to have three trucks at Seekonk Speedway in the truck division this year. From Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Now, Herbie, heading up Hawkman Brothers Auto Pier, has the best brake job in North Rhode Island. Their motto is, get it repaired the very first time. No comebacks. Using affordable parts at an affordable price. And that seems to be the winning formula at Northeast Race Cars and Speed and Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. 401 1-800-766-4748. If you're calling from Lee, New Hampshire, or Wiscasset Speedway, you want the quality pots that'll get you in victory lane, give them a call.
Does that cover everybody that makes this show possible? Nope, there's one more thing. That PBS guy, Oscar the Grouch. Yep, it's an essential coronavirus small business right here in Northern Rhode Island. What a distinction. And I prefer doing business with a veteran. And he's a Vietnam vet. You know, it was the Navy. It wasn't a Marine. But Oscar Hancock, Kurt, Desiree with three E's, have they got a program for you? You're just doing your taxes now? You're not happy with your bottom line from Christmas? Maybe it's time to come up with a new program for your signage to get those customers right to your door. They got a 60-inch screen there that Desiree will show you. It's all mopped out on the floor so you'll be a friendly in a virus environment. Really safe to look at that portfolio and get some ideas for a new business plan for your signage. American Beauty Signworks. Authors from the Authors Hour right here. 377 members in our group and counting. Now's the time. Get a pull-up sign for behind your table. Oscar's got them. Handout material, flyers, banners, you name it. Magnetic signs for the signing of your vehicle. You got a pickup truck. Ford F-150, number one seller, five years in a row. Get a sign or decals, get your signage done for the rear window. If you got a fiberglass cap, put it on the rear window of that. A silent salesman for you all the time, using it as your personal vehicle too. They've got that and so much more. And don't be afraid. The cranes are in the sky up in Worcester, Webster, Thompson. They travel. American Beauty Sign Works serving the tri-state region. One phone, that's all you got to do. And sit down with Oscar and Desiree and Kurt, who does most of the work. 401-767-2922. Look around. All the newer businesses the last three years. Same commonality at the bottom of the sign by American Beauty Signworks. Because they are the experts at an affordable price to match up a business plan for you with your signage. It's so important. You know, the vehicle wraps now, the digital signing, especially for restaurants. Oscar's got it all covered. American Beauty Signworks, an essential coronavirus small business right here at 706 St. Paul Street in North Smithfield. Why? Because the big high overhead doors gets the trucks and any size in there now. He's not limited to the weather. They can work 365 days a year with those big stalls they have right there. Right across from the fire department, right hand side of Powell Motors, an iconic business there in North Smithfield. American Beauty Signworks. 401 767 2922. And tell Oscar to Grouch. You heard it right here at WNRI. Exeter Fall Festival's coming up. Uh, Dr. Michael Fine is going to be on either next week or the week after. Um, we're getting a lot of correspondence now from the libraries and stuff. They're going to be reinstituting some author signings and stuff like that. So we'll be supplying the uh, bevy of, uh, you know, from our portfolio, from our Association of Rhode Island Authors uh, Bank that we have. And we'll be posting them on our Facebook pages, you know, for the signups. So don't hesitate on that. A lot of times it's uh, 20 authors from a certain part of the state. So 
it's first come, first serve on all of this. Yeah, I can't hold spots, and none of the board members can hold spots for anybody. It's first come, first serve on you know, the honor system. So everything is starting to heat up. And uh, future books, I got Connie Bansissa uh, from the uh, Dalmatian uh, Sign Talk. She teaches sign language to uh, deaf Dalmatians up in Connecticut. She just sent me four books in the mail, so we got to get her on the air. It's always a stimulating interview on the author's hour. And I'm looking at the clock right now, and I am just about at the author's hour outro. I want to thank our guest today, and that was Mark J. Strauss. The name of the book was One-Legged Mongoose, available on anchor.fm slash wayne-barber on podcast. And we'll be back on the air Tuesday, uh, Sunday morning. Well, I don't know. We've got a blizzard coming Saturday night on the outdoor scene. But tomorrow, have the best day of your life. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnri at yahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.